For those of you who don't know, my name's Sean. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you're joining us online this morning, we're glad that you're joining us. Uh, just as you heard, we would love for you to get signed up for Rooted. Um, get yourself signed up for Rooted. It actually starts next week, and there's only a very few number of spots left. So um, you can text mom at the 97,000, and uh, you can find a menu there that will have information about getting yourself signed up for Rooted. And uh, I really think you'll be glad. It, it's, it's a commitment. It takes 10 weeks. It takes time. It takes energy. But um, everything important in life takes time and takes energy. Um, you know, uh, I, I, was, I was thinking... That last song we just sang, um, sometimes we sing words and they, they have a nice sound to them and, 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 and we like the way they sound, but we don't often, sometimes we don't think about the words we're saying. And uh, I just want to read to you a portion of that song we were just um, singing. And, and then before we get started into the book of Hebrews, I, I want to take a moment and pray um, together as a church. So it says this. Lord, send revival. Lord, send it now. A move of your spirit, heaven break out. Come now in power, cover this land. This is probably my favorite part of the song. Like you've done it before, would you do it again? And that's our prayer as a church every single week. The ways you've done it before, would you move and heal and redeem and restore. And I just felt that I think we need to take a moment before we get in the sermon today just to pray together that these words would be true. Would you, would you guys pray with me real quick? Lord, um, we come to you because you are our only hope. The only hope we have is that you would do these things, that you'd show up in power that you'd redeem and restore, that you, would, that you would transform our lives, our families, our communities, our nation, our world. So Lord, we come again today with all kinds of stories of heartache and brokenness and uncertainty. And Lord, we pray, just as you told us to pray, that your will might be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, may it be done today as you've done it before. Would you do it again? Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're in the book of Hebrews. So if you have a Bible and you want to follow along, Hebrews 1 is where we're going to be. If not, don't worry. I'm going to kind of follow along here with everything that we got going on um, as we go through. Today, we are going to cover, last week we covered a verse. Today, we're picking up steam and we're going to cover two verses. Woo! Body brace yourself, okay? Um, hey, I, I do have to tell you, when, when I'm working through a sermon, there's, there's a bunch of questions I ask. There's a bunch of questions I ask myself, I ask the text, I work through, and um, you know, I'll ask things like, uh, where's the tension, right? And, and want to wrestle with, like, where's the tension in between what Jesus is telling me to do and what I want to do, right? Where's the tension in my life where I know that God's been telling me I need to do this thing, but I don't really want to do it. Where's the story? Like, what is God calling me to do today? And then a lot of times when I'm writing a sermon, my end goal is to get to a point at the end of the sermon where I can say, hey, here are some things you really should consider doing today. You should think about doing this, and you should think about doing this. And, and we call them application points, right? Here's a couple things you could do depending upon what's going on in your life. Today, I want to I do something different. 
Um, the passage we're going to look at today, uh, a lot of church historians, a lot of commentators, a lot of theologians actually think that it was probably a hymn that early Christians sang. It was a worship song that early Christians sang. And, and that what he's quoting, what he's, what he's writing, the writer of Hebrews, is actually just quoting a song that everybody else already knew. And he's just like, you know, reciting a part of the chorus or he's reciting part of the verse. And there would have been this whole other portion of the story. Because what we're going to see in Hebrews 1, verse 2 and 3, is, is a really lofty, beautiful, majestic picture of who Jesus is. And so today... Um, instead of trying to tell you like some things you should do with that, I, I hope, I, I just want you to kind of prepare yourself and your heart. I hope that we might just like take a moment the next 25 minutes we have together and just be reminded again of the beauty and the majesty and the all sufficiency of Jesus, this, this God man that sits at the center of our of our faith, and that maybe in the time we have, it might stir something in us that would culminate in the end with us worshiping together as a body, celebrating this Jesus afresh and anew. So here we go, here we go, here we go. Let's look at it. Hebrews 1 verse 2 says this. Hebrews 1 verse 2. In these last days, uh, God has spoken to us in his son. Now, just um, so you know, this phrase, these last days, we're actually going to look at this next week, and um, we're going to wreck some of our views of what we think is going on today and in future days to come. But in these last days, the, the writer of Hebrews is talking about right now, okay? It, it's a term he's going to use, we're going to talk about it more next week, that, that in this moment, in this era, in this epoch, in this season that began with Jesus' birth and ends whenever the Father decides it ends. In this moment, he's spoken to us in his son. Now, I love this, um, this, this right here, spoken to us. There's a lot of words, like in a lot of different languages, there's a lot of words for different things that are similar but have a little bit of a different meaning, right? Um, so, like, there's a word uh, in the Greek for Word. We're going to see that later, and it's going to become important as we go through the book of Hebrews. There's a word in, in Greek for a speech. Um, there's a word in Greek for a, a sermon or a message. There's a word in Greek for teaching or giving a monologue. That's none of these words. I love this word. This word here, he's spoken to us. Um, it, it Actually, it's the root word is an action. It's, it's experienced. It, it's this. Um, my son is six years old. I think I told you guys this a couple weeks ago if you were here. Um, and he's at six. He's a boy. He's got a lot of energy. He um, has a hard time sometimes containing his body in the space he exists in. You know what I'm saying? Right? And um, he also, he's like his dad. Okay? And uh, I remember growing up, I would get in trouble in class for talking in class. For some reason, the teacher could only hear me. I don't know why they couldn't hear anybody else that was talking. It still boggles my mind that with my very quiet voice, they could only hear me talking. <laughs> but I would tell them, right? I would tell the teacher, I'd tell my parents, you know, I, I, I want to listen. I want to listen. But sometimes things just come out of my mouth. They just... Like before my brain, before it's in my brain, it's out my mouth, right? So this is my son now. So we'll be having a conversation, my wife and I, and then all of a sudden, he just, he does this. Daddy! 
daddy, daddy. He just blurts out, right? Like the, the thing he has inside of him is so big and full of so much energy. He just has to get it out, right? And before his brain even thinks about what he's doing, he just bleh, the thing out. That, that's what this Greek word, um, one translation, one commentator said that uh, a really way, a great way that we could translate this to get this effect that feel a little awkward and weird in English would be to say, in these last days, God has blurted out, right? There's this idea of something that was building and this energy that was building and there came a moment where it just ex exploded and it couldn't be contained anymore. This is, this is Jesus. There came a moment, scripture tells us, when the fullness of God's love became so overwhelming. You know the verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God's love so built up and just exploded to the point where he just blurted out, screamed out, interrupted human history with his, his son. That, that it, it's important for us to remember that the salvation that we find through Jesus, that the life of Jesus um, comes, from, comes from the root of an overwhelming amount of love and goodness in our God. That God is full of so much love for his creation that there came a point where he just couldn't contain waiting anymore and he blurted out into human history his son, Jesus. So it says this about Jesus. It says, um, he, he, he's spoken to us in his son. Here's the first thing that we want to see about who Jesus is today. He appointed, whom he appointed heir of all things. The writer of Hebrews tells us that one thing about Jesus that we need to know and remember is that he will be the one who will inherit all things. It says in another passage, it says that uh, for the joy set before him, that he endured the shame and the mockery of the cross, that for the joy, the joy before him was us, the joy before him was his inheritance, that there will come a day where Jesus will be the rightful inheritor of all things, that all of creation, look at that, look at that, look at that, look at that, you see that, all things, here, let me tell you, um, I like digging in the Greek, you know what, you know what all means in, in, in the Greek, in the original Greek, that word right there, all it's very complicated, right? All things that he will be the right flair. So here's, here's, um, here's what we need to know about that. Um, if you know you're going to inherit something, you suddenly care about it, right? If my parents came to me and said, hey, you know what? Um, when we both are gone, we're going to give you our house. I would say, do you have a timeline? No, right? No, no. but you, you know what? I'd be like, um, hey, you know that leak in the corner of your house? Would you mind fixing that? Could, could I come fix that? Because, I mean, that's going to hurt my resale value if all of a sudden there's a bunch of dry rot in the corner of the house, right? When you're the rightful inheritor of something, for those of you, here, here's another illustration, for those of you who have retirement funds, um, more than likely you have a pretty good idea of what's going on in your retirement fund. You have a pretty good idea when the market's up. 
And when the market's down, and when the interest rates change things, and when politics change things, you have a pretty good idea because you're going to receive it, and so you care about it. So here's first little reminder that I want us to remember today is that Jesus is the rightful heir of all things, which means that Jesus cares about all things. There is nothing in your life, there is nothing in this world, there is nothing that Jesus doesn't care about. There is no tear that is shed. There is no pain that is experienced. There is no rejoicing and laughter that comes that Jesus does not care about because you are his inheritance. 2 Corinthians says this. This is important for us to remember too. 2 Corinthians says this. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, this is our mission as a church, the ministry of reconciliation. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is why we're here. It's to be a part of reconciling all things. Why? Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. This is the mission of what Jesus is doing, is right now, today, he cares about everything, and he is about reconciling, redeeming, restoring, healing, because all things are his inheritance to come. All things. The passage goes on, it says this, uh, in these last days he's spoken to us and his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, right? He's going to receive it all, so he cares about it all. Through whom also he made the world. Did you know that? Did you know, scripture says it over and over again. That it was through and for Jesus that all things were made. Uh, John 1. John 1, um, John 1 verse 1 says this. In the beginning, which actually should basically make us think of Genesis 1. He wants us to hear the echo of Genesis 1. In the beginning was the word. Now, just in case you don't know, um, in the Bible, the word is actually Jesus. In, in, in about nine months, we're going to get into a passage, um, and I'm just going to wreck it for all of you because we've massively misquoted this verse for a very long time, and some of us are very adamant about it. Um, but there's this passage, and it talks about the word of God, right? Do you, you know this? The word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword, able to divide even bone and marrow. You know that passage, right? In the Bible, the word is Jesus, Right? In the beginning was the word, that's Jesus, right? John makes it really clear. You can read all John 1 and know that it's very clear that Jesus is the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God, which just if you sit on it should just make your mind go, <clears throat> like, I don't know, that doesn't make any sense. But it is the reality of the triune God. But then it says this, all things came into being through him. Through him that at a word, all things were, were created through Jesus. Here's the thing. Um, when you make something, right? You ever like made a table or a really busted, funky-looking clay pot? Anybody else have to do that? You like make a clay pot and they put it in the kiln and it just looks all like nasty and messed up, right? When you make something yourself, 
when you decorate a room, when you uh, take care of your yard, when you, it is your hands and the dirt is under your fingernails, you suddenly care differently about it than everything else. God, Jesus, spoke all things to All things exist by his power. He's the one who made all things. So, so, so here's some things that we know. Right, just from this passage already, just from this one verse, that Jesus is going to receive it. He's going to receive all of creation. So he is in the process right now. He's not waiting till later. He's in the process right now of reconciling and restoring, healing everything in all of creation. And it's the same thing that Jesus wants to do in you. And it's the thing he's inviting us to do because he's going to inherit. So he wants to fix the patchy leak in the corner of the house. And he can reconcile and heal all that is broken in us. Jesus, um, he made all, everything that exists. Colossians um, tells us that in him and through him and for th him, all things exist, that all things that exist, exist. So he, he cares for it. He, Hebrews 1 continues, verse 3, it says this, right? He is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. Talking about the Father, right? Talking about the Father. You know, I, um, somebody pointed this out to me, and it just was kind of trippy for a moment. You know, you've never actually seen the sun. Your eyes do not have the physical ability to see the sun. Do you know that? Now, you can look in the direction of the sun and go blind, Right? And burn your retina. You can look in the direction of the sun, but you cannot tell me anything about the topography of the sun by looking at the sun. The glory, right? This is the image that the writer of Hebrews is talking about. The glory, the radiance of the sun is so intense that your eye is incapable of comprehending what it looks like. Now, maybe you've seen a picture. You've seen other things that have taken pictures of the surface, but you have never seen, all you've seen here, this is all we can see. All we can see with our human eyes is the light that comes from the sun. And this is the image, this is the, 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 the analogy that the writer of Hebrews is giving us of who Jesus is. There is something in us as temporal, finite beings that are incapable of seeing the fullness of God. We see this all throughout scripture. There's a point in time, Isaiah is in the temple. Um, he has this image and, and he's terrified because he thinks he's seen God. Um, uh, Moses, Moses wants to see the face of God. And what does God say? You can't look at the face. But as I pass by, you can look at my tail as I pass by. You can look at my back end as I pass by, right? That we, as finite beings, there's something so otherly about who God is, that we are incapable of even seeing him. And, and, and I say this, I don't have better language for this. Maybe one day I'll be smarter and have better language. But I think one of the greatest gifts of our faith is that we believe that God speaks our language. And, and here's what I mean by this. There is a God who is so otherworldly than us that our brains, our eyes cannot comprehend. And instead of God saying to us, well, good luck, you better figure it out. He becomes like us. He speaks the way that we do. He walks the way that we do. He becomes human like us. So Hebrews will tell us that we have an empathetic high priest 
that he understands what it means, and he speaks in images and languages and ways that we might understand that if Jesus is the fullness of the light of God, then the only way that we can know what the Father is like is by seeing Jesus. This is what Colossians 1 tells us. Colossians 1 says this, he is the image of the invisible God. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the exact representation, Hebrews 1 tells us, of a God that we cannot fully comprehend or understand. He became like us so that we might know God. John Calvin says it this way. You may know John Calvin. Um, He uh, created this theology, and people now now they call it Calvinism. He he just thought he was articulating the gospel, but um, he's a pretty important writer in church history, and he says this. I love this. The Father, however infinite, becomes finite in the Son. He, this supposed to say, shows. He shows himself only in the Son as though he says, here am I, contemplate me. Here's one of the glorious goodness and gifts of who Jesus is, that he became like us so that in some way we might know just a little bit about this God who is in so many ways unknowable to our finite minds and bodies so that we might know him and see him. Hebrews 13, it goes on, it says this, he is the radiance of the glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. I love this phrase. This is probably one of my favorite phrases from this section. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. Now, here's the thing. Um, when you're translating languages, you, you know this, right? Like um, sometimes people say, I want a literal Bible translation. No, you don't. Languages are not literal. Languages are images. Languages are, are nuanced. Languages have idioms, right? What we want is we want to translate what was intended in a way that we understand it. So there's times where we try and translate something. And this is a pr- great translation, upholds all things. You're going to hear um, some, some thoughts behind the words. But sometimes um, it's a two-dimensional translation to a three-dimensional phrase. You know what I'm saying? So, so they have to pick what point they want us to, to understand and see. And so this, this here um, upholds all things. It, in like the most basic translation, the, the most basic uh, way of translating this would actually be to say something like um, continues uh, um, continues to exist, right? But that's not like a verb phrase that we really have in English, like to say, and he continues to exist, all things, right? But, but this is what this said, that, that Jesus, Jesus is so glorious and so mighty and so amazing and so incredible and so otherly worldly than this, that he is the one who makes things that continue to exist. There's a, a question in philosophy and sometimes when science goes towards philosophy um, of why is there nothing, why is there something instead of nothing, right? Why is there something instead of nothing? Right? There should be a cause, there should be a reason. Why is there something instead of nothing? The writer of Hebrews is telling us we should ask the question, why does there continue to exist something? Why has everything, all the particles, all the atoms, everything in this world just spun off into space and into nothingness? Why does there continue to be something? And it's because Jesus holds all things 
together. He is the one by which we continue to breathe and have life because he holds us together. And then look at this. And by the, by the word of his power, by the word of his power, this uh, Greek word here is the word where we get the word um, uh, dynamite, dynamite, power, right? That in Jesus, <laughs> what the Hebrew writer here was saying, Jesus's words are so powerful that his very words are like dynamite. The, 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 the word here of his power, it's a great translation, but I, I love just the root definition of the word. Um, it says, uh, is able to, able to, or capable of. You can see why we started to evolve this into um, power. Now, when someone is able to do something or capable of doing something, it's expressing their power. But, but here's, here's a way. There's um, uh, an alternate translation I came across that, that I really like, and, and I want you to see this, okay? This is, this is Jesus. This is Jesus we worship, that he's causing all things to continue by the word that is able. Now, just for a second, just think, think about that. Here's what this means. Anything in your life, by his word, he is able any obstacle. By a word, he is able. By any fear, by any anxiety, any worry, any uncertainty, any confusion, any chaos, any brokenness, any addiction, scripture says, the writer of Hebrews is telling us, by a word, he is able. Just by a word, he's able. So you see, we see that Jesus is going to receive it all so he's in the process of reconciling today. He's inviting us to do the same, that there is no place in your life that is too broken or dark, that Jesus made it all so he cares about every detail of his creation and every detail of your life, that Jesus is the light, which means that he is the only way that the Father is revealed, that Jesus sustains all things, which means that Jesus is able in every area of your life last couple phrases, it says this. When he had made purification of sins, when he had offered himself, the way that reconciliation happens, the way restoration of all things happens, the way that everything is held together is because Jesus gave himself so that that might happen, that his sacrifice was sufficient for all things. Here's the last phrase, and this is, um, this is tied for my favorite because the implications of this. Look at this. And, and he made purification for sin, and he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. You know where Jesus is right now? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Psalm, Psalm 110 tells us this is the same thing. It says this right here. Psalm 110 says this. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. So let me ask you again. You know where Jesus is right now? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. So, so let, me, let me ask you this follow-up question. Um, how nervous do you think Jesus is about what's going on in your life? He's not. How much panic did Jesus have when he woke up this morning? He didn't wake up, just so you know. But when he woke up this morning, right? Go with my illustration. It, there's never been like a staff meeting in heaven where Jesus like came back from vacation and he's like, what's going on? Angels, come here. I thought you were watching Monmouth. 
Weren't you supposed to be paying attention? This was your job. Who dropped the ball? Never been a moment. Never been a moment. He sits at the right hand. I don't know about you, but there are times in my life where I have a really hard time sitting. You know why I have a hard time sitting? When I'm nervous about what's going to happen. When I'm anxious about something that is out of my control or something that I think should be in my control, and, and I'll sit on the couch or I'll sit at my desk and then I'll be like, I gotta walk, I gotta, I, I gotta move, I gotta do something, I, I'm gonna go fix something. I'm gonna, even if it's not that, I'm gonna go fix something else because then it makes me feel like I'm doing something. But Jesus sit, sits. He sits. Because no matter what's going on in your life, Jesus is unshaken. Jesus isn't worried. You remember? It's by his word that all things came into existence, even that thing that you're so panicked about. That it's by his word that he holds together all of creation, including your life and your family and your world. And he sits unwavering unafraid because of his goodness and his glory and his might and his sacrifice is sufficient to redeem every corner of creation, every single thing in us that is broken and messy and rebellious. He is good and able and he sits up in heaven and he's just like sitting there with his feet out just waiting for the father to put a footstool under his feet. Just waiting waiting for the moment when all things... Now, now the truth is, Scripture tells us that there is, there is a ruler of the air. There is, there is someone who rules the world we live in right now, which is why there's brokenness and why there's disease and why there's hatred and why there's anger and why there's violence. But even right now, Jesus is restoring and redeeming so that one day, one day, without a strain of a muscle, he will redeem all things and heal all things. And that is where our hope sits. So I hope that whatever fears you bring in, whatever guilt you bring in, whatever shame you bring in, whatever worries, whatever uncertainty, whatever questions you bring in, that you might, as scripture tells us, to come with boldness into the throne room of God and pour them all out at the feet of Jesus who is able, who is able by his word to hold all things in his hand, that you might be reminded of his glory and goodness and power, and that you today might rest in his goodness and beauty. Will you pray with me? Lord, we come to you today because you are the, the only hope we have. We come to you today because you are mercy and kindness and grace and redemption and restoration. We come to you today because you are able. We come to you today because you are seated, enthroned, unwavering, unshaken by the chaos of our lives. And so, Lord, I pray 
I pray that each one of us might be reminded again today of your goodness, of your mercy, of your beauty, of your power, that we might worship and celebrate and rejoice well, for you are good and worthy of all of our praise. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and kindness to us. Jesus, it's in your name, to your glory, and because of your might and kindness that we pray. Amen. Hi, welcome to MCC Online. My name is Eileen, and I wanted to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. Sean will be back in just a minute to wrap us up. But before that time, I wanted to mention to you that MCC Online Church is a fantastic venue to join us. But the, one of the problems with it is that you, it's kind of cold, kind of distant. One way to fix that is for us to know you and be known and get to know others by connecting with us. There's three ways that you can do that. The first way is for you to connect with the hosts who are on right now. They're live right now online. You can get in the chat box. You can give them a prayer request. You can say hi. You can introduce yourself. They would love to get to know you better. The second thing is that you can go to our website at mymcc.cc and you can fill out a connect card. You can also fill out a connect card the third way by texting the word MCC online. One whole word, MCC uh, online. The video is set to loop, just so I know. I can tell because the video that, countdown's not showing. You can connect card or a prairie So last make sure that they're ready I to cut. I wanted to tell you that if you have been blessed by the ministry of Mama Christian Church today, we'd invite you to give. You can do that the exact same way by texting MCC online or go to our website. Finally, Sean will be here in a few seconds to wrap us up, but I did want to end by saying once again, we are so glad you are here. We appreciate you coming, and we love you guys. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. I'm so glad you marked out this time together to pursue Jesus together. I hope that um, as we've reflected on who Jesus is, as we've sang together, uh, that it's it's been encouragement to you, that it's been a reminder to you, man, the Jesus we worship is beautiful and good and gracious and powerful. And I just love that. It comes right in the middle. He's able. Like whatever it is in your life, he is able. He is able to handle it. He is able to conquer it. He is able to move it. He is able. That is the God that we worship. And so I hope that today is encouraged you, reminded you, drawn you closer to Jesus. I, I also hope that you found some time, whether we were worshiping together or um, maybe after this, you just turn on some music, some praise music, or maybe just sit in silence when the broadcast is done. You just sit in silence or, or, or you read over that passage and you find some way just to meditate on Jesus's goodness and his might and his beauty and his power and that it would stir in you. Worship and confidence to walk into whatever this week would bring. I'm so glad you guys chose to join us. We'd love to connect with you. You can connect with Tana in the chat box, or you can text mom at 97,000. Um, I hope that this, this week that you'd be reminded over and over again of the beauty and the majesty and the power of this Jesus that we worship. Love you guys.
Have a great week. Thunder 